All right. Hey, everybody. Are you guys excited to be at church today? All right. Wow. That's good. That's good. I want to say a big hello to all of you that are worshiping with us down in the venue as well as out at our North Platte campus. Hey, I got good news for you. The last couple of Sundays around, uh, around New Life, we've actually had record attendance since the history of our church. We've been, we've been having attendance like 1,220, 1,255 people walking through the door. So you might look around and you might think to yourself, well, in the room I'm in right now, in this one of six services and three different auditoriums, it's all happening live at the same time. You're like, there's not 1,200 people here. I know that's, that's why we are so much better together as we have these smaller groups of people that gather with one another um, so that we can kind of know each other and we can have space to grow. So in every environment that you're in, there should be empty seats. Those empty seats are future spots for people that are committing their life to Christ or are joining us because they're excited about wanting to grow with God. Amen? Uh, so, and the other thing is this. In the past, like number of weeks it's been amazing the the run that we've been on where every single week like last week i think there was another six people that said i want to commit my life to jesus and i want him to be my lord and my leader and many of these people are doing that for the first time in their life amen (laughs) i'm excited about that that's a growing church that's the kind of church that has a kind of community you want to be a part of guys Wow, and you are a part of it. And so today, as you can tell by the video, we are talking about community. Community. So let me just help you understand what we mean by community. Have you ever had a real strong desire to be a part of a certain team? I mean, I want you to think back with me. For some of you, it could be, you know, back in your high school days or junior high days. It could be just a couple of weeks ago or months ago, right? So weeks or months or a couple of decades, you had a team that you really wanted to be a part of. Let's say it was like maybe a sports team. And you were just like, man, I want to be a part of that sports team. And so when you were younger and you worked as hard as you could to become part of that sports team. I remember when I was in junior high, I lived in St. Louis, and I was playing for the local Catholic church, playing baseball for them. And man, I was playing baseball in a town where the baseball cardinals are. I was growing up in an era where the baseball cardinals, they were winning the World Series, and they had incredible players. And all I wanted to do as that junior high kid was one day I want to play at Bush Stadium for the baseball Cardinals. And so I could almost see myself walking up to the plate, right, in junior high school, putting that bat back and going, one day, one day I will hit the ball out of the park at Bush Stadium. And it never happened. But, you know, God's got different plans, right? So we dream about it. There was something about that that just made me want to be a part of it. It could be for you that maybe in the past couple of years you had a workplace, you had a, um, you know, some kind of company here in the Kearney area or maybe out in, out in the North Platte area, a company that you, you just wanted to work for. Or maybe it was a volunteer organization, you know, like the Jubilee Center here in Kearney or another you know, volunteer location uh, or organization in North Platte where you, you, just, you wanted to come and give of your time or you wanted to come and give of your finances. It could be Compassion International where you know, my wife and I support a child or many of you do as well. Um, you know, so there's all of these groups and we had dreams when we were kids. We wanted to be a part of this team or that team and we still have these dreams even as adults. But why were you attracted to that certain team? Why, especially as an adult, were you maybe attracted to serve at that organization or be a part of the church or work at the place where you're working? I'll tell you a few reasons why that happened for you. One, you love the mission. The mission is 
It, it's critical. The, the mission, it, it causes people to say, I want to be a part of that team. I want to be a part of that workplace. I want to be a part of that organization. I, I really love their mission. It also is the people on the team where you, you kind of know one or two or three or more people that they work at this place and you like those people and therefore you, you kind of want to work there as well. Or it might be the leader of the team. And you might say, man, I love that leader. That leader is a great leader. You know, maybe, maybe she just loves people or he really knows how to delegate or whatever it might be. But you love, you love the leader. You, you kind of have this, you know, like desire to say, man, I would love to work for that person. And then last but not least, one of the reasons why you're attracted to you know, a certain team or a certain community of people is the healthy interaction that happens between the team members. This, this thing that happens between people that is, it's organic, yes, it's very purposeful as well, but it is something that is inspiring to you. When you see it, you know it. When you see it, you desire it. When it's not happening, you know it as well, and you're kind of repelled by it. But it's this healthy interaction that happens among the team. All of these issues I'm talking about, they create community. This is where community is created. But each community is defined by a word called culture. Each community, the community of new life, the community of your workplace, the community in which you live in, where your house is in, or where you volunteer... It has a culture, and this is what culture is. Culture are are the customs or maybe the behavioral characteristics and the attitude of a group of people. That's culture. Culture is like why do they do what they do, do, and then how they behave and how they treat one another and even their attitude towards one another. This This is what culture is. And culture is the core of every community. So it's really hard to disassociate these two words, culture and community. They both go hand in glove together, and they create something that's either attractive to people or it repels them. In every community, the culture, the cultural element, it either causes people to go, I want to be a part of that, or it causes people to say, I never want to be a part of that. So listen to me, at your workplace, or even here at our church, Right? You can have amazing slogans. Like a slogan here at our church is strengthening your journey in Christ. Great slogan, right? We can have another slogan, you know, um, help, you know, make people into fully devoted followers of Christ. Another great slogan. You can have a slogan at your workplace. You're probably even thinking about some of them. You can have killer logos and amazing graphics. You can have a website that is just off the charts that people love, right? That they're just like, man, I would love to have that website for my workplace. And you can even have the most amazing facilities. But culture, culture is what's going to determine the long-term success of your community. Culture is what's going to determine the long-term success of your workplace, So let me give you another example of the power of culture, right? Healthy culture is what causes you, you, you personally, it causes you to like the community of your workplace. If there's healthy culture, then you kind of go, I like to go to work. Like, I I like to go there. It is a blast. I don't dread going there. I love to go there. But toxic culture is what causes you to dread going to work tomorrow. And some of you do. Right now, you're like, oh, Monday's coming. Oh, gone it. I got to go back to that place. I feel so defeated when I'm there. I just feel like, you know, the energy is sucked right out of me. The life is sucked out of me. 
You know, and so toxic culture, you know what I'm saying, right? It's this environment that causes you to go, I don't want to go there. You may not be able to put your finger on it. Like you, you may not be able to identify it, but that's what happens. The community of New Life Church, it's vital for us to do a couple of things. For the community of New Life Church to accomplish God's mission for it, right? Like every other church in our community, for for the community, for the body of believers here to successfully complete God's mission, we're going to have to focus in on our culture. We have to. Because if we don't focus on our culture, then who knows what we're becoming. And here's the thing. It's my job to lead that. I'm the leader. I know it's my job to lead it. But I can't do it on my own. And each of you, you affect the new life community in a very unique way. If you live for self, then the culture of our community, of our church, will become toxic. Have you ever been to a church where people are just living for themselves? Where they're only there, you know, for themselves. They're only there to get what they can get out of it. They're only there to go through their religious routine, pat themselves on the back, and then go home. I've been in those churches, right? I've attended those kind of churches, and I'm telling you right now, that kind of culture is toxic. It's toxic. But if you choose to live dead, like this teaching series has been focused on, then the culture of our community can be life-giving and inviting to those who are in need of Jesus. What I mean by that is, if you choose to live dead to this your selfish agenda, and you start saying, God, I want to be a part of this community called New Life to advance your agenda, right? I want to be a part of it so that your kingdom grows, not just so that I can sit in the same spot and never have anybody take my seat, Right, just so that I can have it my way. No, God, I want to I wanna have it your way. And so, God, I, I want you to put inside of me your heart for our church and for this community. And I want to be an active participant in it. Then we can be a life-giving church. New life, by the way, that's our name, has been that. Our challenge is how do we continue to be that as we move into the future? See, the early church had to deal with this. When the early church started out, Jesus, you know how many disciples he had, Right? And at the end, he had 11. Started out with 12, he had 11 because Judas dropped off the map. But he had other followers as well. He had other people that were committed to following him. And so these guys in Acts chapter 1, around um, verse 15, you find that about 120 of them are gathered together and they're making plans for what the future is really going to look like. Right? Jesus now has died, he's rose again, and now he's ascended to heaven. And now the ball is in their hands. What are they going to do? And they're, they're preparing really to pray like Jesus told them to do. And as they pray, something powerful happens. And then all of a sudden you get just a couple of days later, and the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and the church has gone from 200 people that are meeting, trying to figure out what they're going to do, to 3,000 people. Now think with me. It goes from 200 to 3,000. That's like a hockey stick of growth. I want you to think about the workplace that, you, that you're in right now. I want you to think about the environment. Right? What if the demand on your workplace went from 200 items that had to be, you know, had to be made every day to 3,000 items? What if it was, went from 200 sales to 3,000 sales in a day? What if it went from 200 patients to 3,000 patients? Wouldn't that cause some things to radically change? Of course it would. And in the church, the same thing happened. When the church went from 200 people to 3,000 people, the apostles were completely overwhelmed. And they had to figure out, well, what are we going to do? So they empowered some people to do the work of the ministry. Good job. And then secondly, they launched life groups. 
Yeah, they actually launched these groups and where people met together. And I want you to notice the type of community that these groups had. It says in the Bible that they met regularly together for prayer and for the breaking of bread. They met together regularly to pray with each other, to eat with each other, to have fellowship with one another. Do you know this? That the early church in these small groups, that they actually liked each other. They did. They actually liked each other. I know I could use the word love, but love, it seems like it's almost overused sometimes. These guys liked each other. They liked spending time with each other. They liked supporting each other. They they liked being with one another. Can you imagine if the early church speed ahead from 2,000 years ago to 2016, what if this was the moment that the church first started? Right? What if it was right now that the church first launched and life groups started happening in Kearney? What would that really look like today? It would probably look like Facebook getting blown up, right, with all these groups that are meeting with one another and this activity that's happening. And people would be, you know, putting out their praise reports and prayer requests. And they would invite people over to their house for dinner. And, you know, you would get on your phone and, you know, you would like, you know, make phone calls to everybody. And you would text people. And, you know, social media would blow up in our town with people, you know, all meeting in homes all over the place and organizing that and promoting it and telling everybody, we're going to be out in the park playing volleyball tonight. You know, we're going to go to the movie. Hey, we're going to go over to one of, our, uh, one of the members of our group's house and we're going to help them paint it because they're getting ready to move in. Or we're going to help pack up some boxes and move them for one of our members that's moving. Or it would be all over the place. And people in the community would start to ask questions like, What's up with this church that meets in these groups and all these groups are doing things and they're so active? It's the same thing that happened back then. So a couple of verses later in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, because of basically the culture um, of the community of believers and the way that they loved one another, it says in verse 47 that the Lord added to their numbers daily. Daily. You know what it feels like around new life right now? That the Lord is adding to our numbers daily. And that every Sunday that goes by, there are people that are committing their life to Christ. And I want to see, see the Lord literally add to our numbers daily. By the way that you and me live out in our community. So that the, that the community of new life can continue to increase. So that we can be a beacon of light to the world around us. But here's a misnomer. Community isn't just a feeling of belonging. Community isn't just being here or being someplace with just the sense of, like, I belong there. No, community is a deep unity and a passionate love for one another. It's a unity and passionate love for one another. That's what Jesus said. He said it this way in John. Take a look at it in John chapter 13. It says, so now I'm giving you guys a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Healthy community requires you and me to do a couple of things to prove or show to the world, declare to the world that we actually like each other and that we we enjoy one another and that we actually are more than just belonging to a church. 
We feel like we have unity in our church. We feel like we actually have an environment where, you know, people, people actually like one another. And I'm talking about in the small groups because in a large setting, you know, you're sitting only in one of six worship services. How in the world can you know everybody? It's impossible. So get to know the large group that you're in and then be a part of a small group. But healthy community is going to require really three quick things, all right? First would be this. You've got to love each other enough to work on the burr in your personal life. If you want to have healthy community, here at our church, where you work, in your family, you first have to work on you. It's so easy for us to say, you know what would fix this church? You know what would fix my work environment? You know what would fix my family? And then we point our finger, our pointy little finger at someone else, and we go, if that person would change their way, if that person would stop what they're doing, if that person would just think like I think, Right? If that person would just, it's always about someone else. The very first move we make if we want to have a Christ centered culture wherever we are is inward. It's inward. It's God, show me the change I need to make so that I bring my A game to my family, to my church, to my workplace. Show me what I need to change. That's where it starts, guys. It doesn't start pointing our fingers at everyone else. The first change happens in eternity. In, um, inside of you. That's where it starts. Secondly, it's this, that we have to literally have authentic support and protection for one another. That we have, to, we have to believe the best in each other. I'm talking about in this small group or the team that you work on in your workplace, right? You can't maybe affect the entire culture of this church, but you can affect your life group. You can't affect maybe the entire corporation you work in, but you can affect your team. And so one of the things we should have in that small team is the attitude of authentically wanting to support one another and authentically wanting to have each other's back instead of an environment where you're wondering if I turn my back, is someone going to stab me in the back? That is all too often the norm in teams, is an environment of backstabbing versus having one another's back. But this is the kind of thing that would show the world if our life groups had this, I know that they do, but if they had it even more, and if we protected it so we made sure that's who we were 10 years from now, then what kind of impact can we make on our community if these these life groups were authentically supporting and protecting each other? It could be amazing. Thirdly, though, we have to honor the diversity in our community. Inside of New Life Church, we have people that are from all different types of backgrounds of faith. We have people that are coming to this church from a Catholic background or from a Lutheran background. We have people that are coming to our church from a Pentecostal background. We got people coming to our church from no spiritual background, by the way. We have people in our church that are like, like new, newly learning how to walk in their faith. We've got people here at our church that haven't even stepped over the line of faith yet. They're still wondering if Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we've got people that are fully devoted followers of Christ that know what it means to just love God with all. We've got people all over the board here, such diversity. For really such small towns in Kearney and in North Platte, we have, we have ethnic diversity um, in our church, which I love. I love that. And so we've got people of all different age brackets in our church, from the young to the elderly. That's exciting. So there, it's so diverse. And when we embrace the diversity that's within our grasp to do, we are declaring to the world, to the outsiders, that we, we're followers of Christ and that we, we love God. And we're not just attracted to the people that are like us. 
See, that's the easy fallacy, is that we, we easily love people that are just like us. But that's not what Jesus called us to do. That's not what he meant when he said love one another. He didn't mean, hey, love people that are easy to love. Easy to love people, that's not love. Love gets activated when it's got a challenge, when it's harder to love. That kind of love where you have to cross, you know, dividing lines. Um, You have to cross uh, lines that it seems like our culture and our country right now are fighting against. When we cross those lines, we make, it, we make the outsider intrigued with what's happening here at this church. And they get drawn in to hear about a message of Christ and their life gets transformed and changed. That's exciting stuff. And it's very much like a symphony. Have you ever listened to a symphony play where you got a flute doing its little part and an oboe over here doing its part and the strings are doing their part and then the brass kicks in, ba-ba-ba-ba-bum, right? And the drums are in the background. It's just so intense, But when all of it goes together and they're all playing off the same page, isn't it really something quite beautiful? Every once in a while in my office, I listen to classical music. Uh, I heard that listening to classical music actually, you know, scientifically evidently has the ability to make you smarter. And so a couple of times a year, a couple of times a year, I actually listen to it. There's something about it that I am quite intrigued with. So and I mean that, actually. It's a, it's a weird thing. Every once in a while, I just need to hear some classical music. And I was in one of those, one of those moods again, and I'm, I was listening to this classical music piece, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a beautiful picture of community. That all of the diversity of all of these different instruments, but yet they're all playing together to make a sound that is so beautiful that you can't get anywhere else. You, can't, you don't get it in a rock song. You don't get it in hip-hop. You don't get it in country. Because none of those things have the, the amount, the mass of all of these pieces working together. And I thought to myself, this is a beautiful picture of the church. Beautiful picture of the church. So what I want you to do is close your eyes with me. Right? And for like the next few seconds, I want you to listen to this classical music. And I want you to listen for how many instruments you can actually hear. So guys... Let's play, let's play that music. Look at me. Don't you feel smarter? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, what you just listened to is what New Life Church sounds like to the towns of Kearney, North Platte, and the smaller communities around it. When believers commit themselves to build Christ-centered community. That's what it sounds like. That's attractive. That's what causes people to go... What's going on in that place? Who are these people? I want to follow this Jesus that they're talking about. Unlike when I was like in third grade, I played, uh, I played a saxophone. I started learning how to play saxophone in third grade. And we actually had a band in third and fourth and fifth grade. Can you believe that? And we would play, right? We would have these little concerts. And uh, we were nothing like the symphony, obviously. No one's professional. No one was going to pay to come. 
Only the obligated came to hear us play. You know what I mean, right? It's the mom and dad that have to come and hear the horn play a song that no one can identify. And it's grandma and grandpa, right? It's the occasional family member that unintentionally ended up at the house at the wrong time and then got drugged to the event. And you've all been in those shoes before, right? We were nothing, nothing like that. And only the obligated came to listen to us. Well, if we aren't careful and we aren't intentional, we can create a church community that others will not want to come to either. And it will be just like that elementary group that is, that's not doing community with intentionality. We're not trying to love one another with excellence. We're not trying to grow in our faith so that we can, you know, give to each other the best. We'll be like the elementary school band that 10 years from now, no one will want to come to, no one will be a part of. And so one of the things about a church is it doesn't just accidentally continue to impact its community. It intentionally impacts its community. And one of the things about a church is that as leaders change from one person to another, the body of the church, you, you being the body of the church, your passionate pursuit after God is what maintains a lot of consistency. And so what I'm saying to you today is that you and me combined together are the intentional workforce of making sure that the community of new life is projecting to our, to our towns a cultural image and a cultural lifestyle that happens on the inside that causes people to want to go, I want to be a part of that group who's following Jesus. And you know what my prayer is? Is that there's many, many churches in our town and in our towns that are striving for the very same thing. Because one church in and of itself is not going to be able to reach a city, but we want to be a part of changing the city. That's who we want to be. We want to be a part of it. And our prayer is is that we're not the only church that wants to do that. And I know we are not because I meet with other pastors. We meet with pastors in the North Platte area. We meet with pastors in the Kearney area. And we've got a good group of guys that are leading churches that are wanting to make a significant impact. We are just one of them. But we have to do that intentionally. See, here's kind of the way it works. If this, if this mug with this green fluid in it represents new life, which, by the way, green's kind of our color around here. Um, if, if this represents us and everything inside of it represents all the good and the incredible things that God's doing in and around and among us, and every one of these rocks is an intentional act of loving others, of um, you know, uh, striving to be excellent in our faith, um, hungry after God, you know, just wanting to make the greatest impact. If these are intentional acts, then what ends up happening, and you can see how the illustration is going to work, eventually what's inside the mug has to do what? It overflows, right? And as it overflows, what happens? It affects the world around it. And that's exactly what new life is. We are this entity that where each and every one of us individually does an intentional act, an intentional act to love the community of believers, an intentional act to protect the culture of our church, then what's on the inside overflows and it impacts the outside. So what then defines our community here? And what can you intentionally be doing to help increase this culture that God has given us here at our church? Here's here's what you can do. We have to know what our six core beliefs are and we have to live them. Here's number one. 
The first core belief is this. We believe that seekers find God. Therefore, therefore, we never stop passionately pursuing God. That's at the core of who we are. That we would be a people, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, that we would passionately pursue Jesus. Proverbs says this about this point. It says in, in Proverbs 8, I love those who love me and I love those who seek. And those who seek me do what? They find me. It says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me, they find me. Guys, that's who we are. That's who we have been. And that's what we're wanting to protect as we go into the future. So in a minute, we're going to be worshiping together. This is your opportunity to passionately seek Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that with everything inside of you. And do that every single time we get together. Every time we get together, passionately seek God. But another one, the second one is this, that we believe that saved people, they find people. All right? So because we believe that, therefore, we invite the lost into a relationship with God. We do that every single Sunday. But I'm asking you to do that even in your workplace. I'm asking you to do that with your friends when you have coffee with them or when you, you know, you're with them in one capacity or another. And, you know, do your friends know Jesus? And let's make sure we're adding to the church daily. Why? Because Jesus said these words. When he's talking about his father's house, when he's talking about eternity with God in heaven, he says, then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. It's God's desire that his house is full. It's God's desire that every single man, woman, and child would hear the good news of Jesus and come into relationship with him. And that's where we as people, many of you that are listening to my voice today have committed your life to Christ. That's where we go out and we help others find a relationship with God. Thirdly, though, we believe here at New Life and what, we, what, we, what defines our culture and community is that growing people change. Therefore, we, we're hungry to know more about God. That's just a part of who we want to maintain. We want to stay that way. We don't ever want to be a group of people that feel like we have arrived. We always want to be a group of people that are, you know, going, God, there's more to know about you. You are vast, way beyond anything I can ever comprehend. And so I'm going to stay hungry for you all the days of my life. Hebrews says this about that topic. It says, so let us stop, you know, going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Some people take this scripture and they say, well, that's what we should do on a Sunday morning. And if that's your, if that's your approach to it, then you're 100% wrong. Because we are a diverse group of people. Remember, we've got spiritually mature, and we have people that are not even yet to commit their life to Christ. So if I only preach to this group, then I leave this group out. If I only preach to this group, then we leave that group out. This verse is talking specifically about you as an individual. You as an individual, are you, where are you at in your journey, and are you continuing to dig the well of Christ deeper and deeper and deeper in your life? That's why we promote things like life groups. That's why I want to encourage you, meet with a friend and study God's word together. Use tools like Right Now Media and keep digging the well of your life deeper and deeper. Don't just settle for the, you know, the, the basics. Get hungry to know more and more and more about God in your personal life. Utilize any resource that we have to help that process happen in your life. Our fourth core belief, though, is that we believe that we're better together. Because we're better together, um, we, we encourage you to engage in a life group with one another. <laughs> That's just something that you hear us say all the time. And one of the things about being in a life group is this aspect in Romans. Romans 14 it says, So then let us aim for what? Harmony 
in the church and try to build each other up. Harmony and building each other up happen best when you're in a smaller group together. When you're in that smaller community and you're working on building each other up and there's unity and there's harmony there like we talked about just a minute ago. Number five, though, is this, that we ask you to champion and we ask you to, to like really bite in and be a part of who we are. We believe everyone has a gift to share. Therefore, we participate in ministry. You know, there's like this attitude here of attend one, serve one around new life. Attend maybe the first service, you know, and serve in the second service. Or attend last week, but serve this week. And I, can, I just don't think I can encourage you enough to say to you that you have a gift and we need to be sharing it. That's what First Peter has to say. It says this about your life. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve who? Who? To serve one another. That's who we are. We are a group of people that each have unique gifts and we use them to serve one another. It's who we have been. It's who we are, and it's who we want to be even 10 years from now. Here's the last one, that we believe that you can't outgive God. That's part of who we are. That's our community. That's our culture here, right? Because you can't outgive God, therefore we give God our tithe and our offering. It's one of the things that we believe here. In fact, this is what the Bible has to say about that aspect in 2 Corinthians. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We don't encourage at New Life to give to get. We encourage us to give, and that God will pour out a blessing on us at his, at his own time, in his own way, in a way that maybe you don't even know how to ask for right now. But God knows exactly what you need, and he knows what I need. So when we're playing off the same sheet of music, the community of New Life will be a culture that is so attractive, it has the ability to change the city. Have the ability to do that. We must have a culture, a culture where people feel comfortable belonging before many of them will ever become believers in Jesus. But that's going to take intentionally living these six things that I just spelled out for us. And if we do that, we will make a difference. And so I'm encouraging every single one of you. I'm pleading with every single one of you. I invite you to live dead. Live dead to yourself. Live dead to your agenda. And join us as a large group of people, all moving in the same direction to influence our communities of Kearney and North Platte for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're way more effective when we all are on the same page, going the same direction. So my encouragement to you is this. If, if these six things are new and you've never heard them before, by all means, later today, go back to mynewlifechurch.com and maybe re-listen to just this last portion of the sermon. Grab a hold of these things and say, God, how can I be a greater part of this? Well, it's going to take you first and foremost living dead to yourself and saying, God, you brought me to this church Help me to become alive and to be a part of what you're doing in this community. One of the things that is a cultural norm for us is that at the end of the sermon, we have a time of worship. We call it response time. It's our moment where we get to, you know, celebrate who God is. We get to just seek God with all of our heart and we find him. Where we're better together, where many voices together and hearts together seeking God all make us better. 
I just want to encourage you in these next few moments, with everything inside of you, worship God with an intense passion, with an intense passion. And let's practice that first core belief of seekers finding God. Because remember what God said, when you seek him, you what? You find him. Let's stand together and let's pray. Lord, today we know that you're up to something amazing in our hearts. We know that, Lord, you, you're wanting to impact our lives in a very unique way. We know, Lord, that you've come to meet with us. And the question is, have we come to meet with you? Lord, there's no doubt in my mind that you've already given all so that we can come and hear from your word and worship you and be a part of something much bigger than just ourselves by ourselves. Lord, we know that you already gave it all. Now the question is, will we give it all? So Lord, we've come. We've come, Lord, knowing that you love us with a love that's deeper than any love we can ever generate, with a passion that's more extreme than any passion that we can generate. We know that you've come, Lord, with that attitude. Now the question is, have we come with that attitude of passionately pursuing you? Lord, thank you for the promise that when we seek you, we find you. That's not a good word. That's not something that we just put on a bulletin board someplace and read every once in a while. That's a spiritual truth. And today, there's many people that need to find you. And so, Lord, I just ask that, Lord, as we seek you, may we find you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.